Hello, lovely ladies, and welcome back to the Everyday Style School podcast, where we believe style can be easy and getting dressed should be fun. I'm your host, Jennifer Mary, and before we get into today's topic, I want to talk about what's going on with the podcast in light of all of our lives being turned totally upside down. The topics for the show for the next few months were chosen long ago. I've got a running list of some of the things that I'd like to talk about, and I add to it when I have an idea, and then I just plug them in where they're appropriate, like talking about my spring and summer must-haves in May and swimsuits in June. You get the idea. Full episodes of the Everyday Style School are planned out through July. Office hours are a little bit less planned. I just keep a list of all the questions that have been submitted that are good for talking about for, you know, 5, 10, 15 minutes. And then I pepper in conversations that I have with people or questions that are asked in the Facebook groups that I think would be beneficial for everyone to hear. In the last couple of weeks, I've gotten the same two questions over and over. What do I wear for video conferencing? I covered that one in the last office hours. And what do I wear while I'm stuck at home? But beyond those two questions, none of my content is focused on what to wear when you're not going anywhere or doing anything or seeing anyone. This is something that I, just like all of you, did not plan on, and I'm a little stuck on what to talk about. Last week, I took a look at my episode plan through July, and I thought, is this really tone deaf? Vacation packing tips when everyone's vacations have been canceled? seem a little insensitive, but honestly, I don't have much to say if we're not talking about what to wear to go places. When you take that away, I don't I don't know what to say. That's kind of a 10-minute office hours episode of what to wear when you're stuck at home, and after that, I'm out. I thought about going on hiatus for a little bit, but that didn't feel right either, and my decision to keep going was solidified when a friend told me that she needs lighthearted content right now and that my show does that for her. Also, I know that this will end, and when it does, the knowledge and tips that you get from the Everyday Style School will still apply. So I'm going to keep going. However, I'm going to be changing it up a little bit and doing more interviews, maybe even some that aren't clothing or style related at all. I want this show to be a break from the doom and gloom of the world. But please don't think for a minute that I'm not taking our current reality seriously, because I am. I just can't talk about it all the time. When this is over, we will be back to our regular programming, but until then, I'll be working hard to bring you style knowledge and fun and a much-needed brain break, and I truly, truly hope that you enjoy these episodes. But now, on to today's topic. As you know, school is canceled, concerts are canceled, fun was canceled, but you know what wasn't canceled? Laundry. Laundry is never canceled. In fact, you're probably doing more of it now than ever with everyone being home and changing their clothes all the time. I preach on this show about building a wardrobe you love. And once you've done that, once you've parted with your, eh, it's fine, and replaced it with, I love this, you're going to want to take care of your things well and help them last as long as possible. That's what we're going to talk about today. Laundry, how to make it suck less, and taking care of the clothes you love so that they'll last a long, long time. In Lessons from Linda, I'm sharing the story of a Linda who spent our entire shopping session telling me that style doesn't matter. In vocabulary, we are visiting an oldie but goodie. As a matter of fact, it's the first vocabulary lesson I ever shared on the podcast. 
And in current events, I'm sharing the fine art of online returns since that is our reality now. Before we get started, though, your homework from the last episode was to pick one of the non-body shape things to focus on to learn to dress your best. I've heard from a few of you who are working to put more of your best colors into your wardrobe and a few of you who are still working on fit. I would love to hear what you chose and how it went in the Everyday Style Lounge. Okay, let's kick things off as we always do with lessons from Linda. This Linda reached out to me after being referred by a friend. And like a lot of my clients, she told me she didn't have enough in her wardrobe to justify a closet edit. So we just met up for a shopping trip. Also, like a lot of my clients, Linda was nervous about the entire process and intimidated by style in general. I actually love those women. I love showing women who are intimidated by style that it can actually be easy and fun. This Linda did not like to shop. She did not like salespeople to talk to her or help her. She just kind of wanted to be left alone to do her own thing. And even when we were together, she did not want salespeople to talk to us at all. She also didn't want a lot of chit chat with me though, either. Every once in a while, I'll have a client like this, just kind of guarded and standoffish, lots of one word answers, just no easy flow of conversation. Now, when I have a client like this, I just ask a lot of questions. It's kind of like a three-hour-long interview. And with this, Linda, I asked a lot of questions to help me understand her style. Her pre-service questionnaire gave me absolutely nothing to go on. And even with asking a ton of questions, I couldn't get a read on what she liked or didn't like. Mostly, I got the impression that she thought working with me was a frivolous waste of her time, which is always fun on a personal level. That's a good time. I probably got that impression because when I asked things like, what outfits do you feel best in? She'd say something like, I I don't have a preference. It doesn't matter to me what I wear. Or I'd ask, what would be your perfect outfit for date night with your husband? And she'd say, it really doesn't matter to either of us what we wear. A whole lot of it doesn't matter. I was really grasping at conversational straws with this one. So when we passed an alteration shop that had a wedding gown in the window, I thought, yes, this will spark conversation because women love to talk about their wedding dresses. So I said, hey, Linda, tell me about your wedding dress. And she said, I wore a t-shirt and shorts to my wedding. I'm telling you, clothes really don't matter to me. Now, I hear a lot of women say it doesn't matter when it comes to style. But with this one, I was actually starting to think that she meant it. Looking back on this, Linda, I'm ashamed that it took me almost two hours to ask the question you're probably asking yourself right now, which is, if it doesn't matter, why did you hire me? In a moment of frustration, I said, Linda, if style and what you wear doesn't matter to you at all, why did you spend hundreds of dollars and an afternoon of your time to have someone help you buy clothes? And she said, in a moment of pure honesty, I wish I were better at it. Maybe then it would matter to me. I'm constantly teaching when I'm working with clients about how to dress your body type or what different fabrics are, you know, just little things like that. But I realized in that moment with this Linda that I had to start even further back and really start teaching the basics, which is what I did. What goes together, why things go together. And once we did that, Linda and I found our groove. She stopped saying that it didn't matter. She started being more open with me and we started having a little bit of fun. 
she ended up being a fantastic client of mine. She, at one point in a fitting room said, oh, my sister-in-law is going to be so jealous when I show up. And I realized in that moment, again, that there were style things that had been holding her back and she just needed to get through that. I don't know how to get to the place where it did matter to her. So there are two things I want you to take away from my time with this, Linda. First, we often tell ourselves it doesn't matter when what we really mean is I don't know how or I'm frustrated because I can't, especially when it doesn't matter is coupled with defensiveness. In my travels, I have met hundreds of women who tell me style doesn't matter, and they usually come in two camps. The first is friendly and open and happy to chat with me regardless of what they think of my job or the presentation that I just gave. The second is defensive and sometimes openly hostile, and they want nothing to do with me, not even to talk about the weather. I've come to realize that the second group are the ones who really do care about style, but they don't know how to get the look they want, or they feel stuck in a situation where they can't have the look they want. For these women, the fact that I even exist in their space is a reminder of that. I would encourage you, if you find yourself in a a situation where you're defensive about anything and saying it doesn't matter, ask yourself, does this really not matter or do I mean something else? If it truly doesn't matter, you probably wouldn't be defensive about it. But if you mean something else, say that. Say, I'm mad that no one ever taught me how to get dressed, but I wish I was better at it. Or I'm frustrated that I have been pregnant or nursing for eight years and I want my body and cute clothes back. Or I feel bad about my body and nothing looks right. All of those are solvable issues. And once you use your words to really understand and express what your frustration is, you can start solving those things. Now, the second thing I want you to take away from this, Linda, is it is perfectly okay not to care about style. You can still be a lovely person, even if your wardrobe is terrible. One has nothing to do with the other. So if you're listening to this podcast and your mental response to every tip I give is, it doesn't matter. That's fine. I still love you. And I'm not offended in the least bit. If this is something that is not on your priority or radar, that is perfectly okay. I do have to wonder though, why are you listening to a style podcast? Life is too short to spend time on things that don't matter to you. Could it be that you might mean something else? Just some food for thought. All right, let's move on to the word of the week. Today, we're heading back to the archives all the way back to episode number two and our very first vocabulary lesson. This is one that's really important to understand, and it came up again in the All Access member group just a few weeks ago, so I thought we would revisit it here today, and this is one I'm going to stay on until everybody gets it. And that lesson, my lovelies, is the difference between knits and wovens. I don't know if you have noticed, but lately online shopping has become not just a preferred option, but the only option. So it's super important that you know what you're getting because getting a blouse in the mail when you were expecting a t-shirt is not a fun surprise. When we're talking about knits and wovens, we're talking about construction, the way the textile is put together. The fibers in knit fabrics are, wait for it, knit together, whereas the fibers in woven fabrics are, you guessed it, woven together. A good definition from DutchLabelShop.com is this. 
knit fabric is made up of a single yarn looped continuously to produce a braided look. Multiple yarns comprise a woven fabric crossing each other at right angles to form the grain. So how the fabric is constructed is what gives us the feel of the fabric. It's why a t-shirt and a blouse can both be 100% cotton and feel so different. T-shirts are a knit and blouses are wovens. Knit fabric like t-shirts and sweaters have stretch inherently to them. They have, they're a stretchier fabric, whereas blouses and other woven items don't inherently have stretch. Can you weave a stretchy fabric like spandex into something? Absolutely. Retailers do it all the time. But if you have just a cotton blouse and you pull on it, it's not going to stretch. Whereas if you have a cotton t-shirt and you pull on it, it has stretch. That is the difference between a knit and a woven. Knits and wovens can be made from just about anything. You can have cotton knits and cotton wovens. You can have polyester knits and polyester wovens. You can have silk knits and silk wovens. Just knowing the fiber content does not tell you what the material is. You also have to know how it's constructed. So other than not wanting to get a blouse when you thought you were getting a comfy t-shirt, why does this matter? The biggest reason is this. Knits cling and wovens glide. Because knits have less structure to the fabric, they're going to take the structure of your body. Wovens have a lot of structure on their own for the most part, so they're not going to conform to your shape as much. If you're trying to hide stuff in your midsection, wovens are a better option because they're not going to cling to the midsection. They're going to glide over it. However, if you are trying to highlight your curves, knits are a better option. A lot of hourglasses in pairs, like I talked about in my body type episodes, they want these blousey flowy looks, but they put them on and they notice that their curves are completely obliterated and they feel boxy. That's what wovens do. Now, if you're not sure which is a better choice for your body, re-listen to the body type series starting with episode two. And I really recommend listening to all of the body shape episodes, even the ones that aren't yours. There are little nuggets of wisdom in there for everybody. Also, you should read the descriptions when you're shopping online. Sometimes it's easy to tell from the photo of the item, sometimes not so much. Sometimes I have to actually zero in or like use the magnifying glass and, and kind of get into the picture a little bit to see if I can tell if it's a woven or a knit. And sometimes the description will just say 100% cotton knit, 100% polyester, polyester woven. So using those two things will help you figure out what you're getting in the mail and avoid some surprises. You can head over to youreverydaystyle.com forward slash episode 44 for links and examples of knits and wovens. All right, speaking of online shopping, let's move on to current events. We've talked on this show before about what a pain online shopping can be, with sizing being all over the place and returns being such a hassle, but friends, today that's all we've got. I did an Office Hours episode on becoming a better online shopper, which is worth a listen if you need some tips on getting good at this. But today I want to talk about returns. When stores started closing, I said to my husband, I sure hope they're going to start offering better free shipping and free returns. And luckily, lots of stores have done just that. 
I told you in our last episode that I had done a whole bunch of online shopping once I realized we were going to be, you know, staying at home a lot more and I wanted some cute, comfy stuff. And like most of my online purchases, I ordered more than I needed. I ordered multiple sizes. I ordered different colors so that I could be sure to end up with a few things that worked. And I did, but I also ended up with a lot that didn't. And again, remember that Online purchases of clothing are returned at almost 50%. So if you only keep about half of what you order, you're doing just fine. So I ended up with a lot of stuff that needed to go back. Um, and then I also found a bag in my car that needed to go back to Nordstrom Rack with two pairs of boots and a sweater, which in full disclosure was way past the return date already. I was ashamed of myself for that one. Luckily, though, by the time I got all my orders, all stores but one were offering free returns, which wasn't even the case when I put the order in. So as you can see, like things change pretty quickly over the course of about 10 days, which that made everything super convenient and so much more affordable. And since I'm encouraging all of you, if you have the means to buy stylish stay-at-home clothes to keep your spirits up, I thought I would share a whole bunch of stores who are currently offering free returns. This list is in the show notes. And if you have some to add, you can post them in the Everyday Style Lounge. Just to be clear, these stores are offering free returns as of this airing. Free shipping amounts change all the time. Sometimes, you know, it is lowered or they offer free shipping or with a purchase of $50. So I'm not going to include stores that are offering free shipping. And I don't think these free returns will last forever. So if you are listening to this episode in 2021, Hello, future lady. I hope we are out of lockdown, but check your store's policies before ordering. It's important that you do that. Okay, here are the stores that I have found that are offering free return shipping right now. All Gap brands, including Gap, Old Navy, Banana Republic, and Athleta, also all of their outlet and factory stores. Nordstrom, as always, is offering free returns, but not Nordstrom Rack. However, Nordstrom Rack is extending their return window in-store to 45 days after stores reopen for any purchases made after February 1st. I know that that's a little, a little confusing. So if you made a purchase online from Nordstrom Rack after February 1st or even in-store after February 1st, once stores reopen it, you will have 45 days to return in-store no questions asked. All right. Loft and Loft Outlet are offering free return shipping. Ann Taylor and Ann Taylor Factory are offering free return shipping. Also, Macy's, Anthropology, Target, of course, Zappos, and Sephora, in case you want to try some new beauty products while you have nowhere to go. A lot of stores are not offering free shipping, but they are extending their in-store return window for a period after the stores reopen, just like I told you with Nordstrom Rack. J. Crew is one that is. They're giving you 60 days to return once stores open, and the same for J. Crew Factory as well. It's not as good as free return shipping, and you might not want that money on, on your credit card or out of your bank account for that long, but retailers are trying their best, and they're offering what they can. Here is a little secret though. If a store isn't offering free return shipping, it doesn't hurt to ask. Of the six stores that I ordered from, five offered free returns and one didn't. And then there was the matter of the Nordstrom Rack boots that were already past the return window. But I emailed J. Crew Factory and I just asked nicely if they'd consider sending me a shipping label. They responded in two days and gave me the free shipping label to download. For Nordstrom Rack, I called to see if I could return in-store once they reopened. 
even though I had purchased before February 1st. And I mean, really, it was past the return date. I really am embarrassed about this one. The lovely lady at Nordstrom Rack instead offered me a free shipping label so I could return the boots and sweater now and not worry about it later. They did not have to take that back. It was totally on me. And they don't offer free return shipping, but they are awesome and truly go above and beyond. So thank you to Nordstrom Rack. And again, if you're shopping right now, you're probably better off buying from stores that are just straight up giving you free return shipping, no questions asked. But if you find yourself with merchandise from a store that doesn't offer it, it never hurts to ask. The worst they can do is say no. Okay, today we are moving right into our style lecture topic for the day. Now, I know laundry isn't the sexiest or most exciting topic in the world, but getting good at doing laundry is a key part of having a wardrobe you love. Once you have bought pieces you actually care about, you're going to want to make sure you take care of them properly and keep them for as long as possible. So here are my top 10 tips for being a clothing care pro and maybe, just maybe, make the chore of doing laundry a little more bearable. All right, tip number one is this, have less stuff. One of the biggest objections to capsule wardrobes that I hear is, I don't want to do laundry that often. And yes, when you and your family members have fewer things, you may need to do laundry more often. But it isn't the putting it into the washer and then putting it into the dryer that is so terrible. It's usually the folding and putting away that gets us, right? Like I could have laundry done in a day and then it sits in the basket for a week. I don't know what that's all about. But when you have less stuff, that part isn't so daunting. And because you're doing smaller loads more frequently, that ginormous, overwhelming pile that needs to be folded and put it away never builds up. Having less stuff is the easiest way to make laundry more bearable. All right, tip number two is have a schedule and stick to it. If you wait to do laundry until you have nothing to wear, it's going to suck every time. If you stay on top of it with a schedule, it's much easier and much more manageable. I know some people like to have a laundry day each week, but for me, that's just too much. I don't like to do laundry and I don't want to do a whole day of it. For my family, that would be a recipe for baskets of clothes that don't get folded, full laundry hampers. It just wouldn't get done simply because we'd run out of steam at the end of the day to fold everything and put it away. What works best for us is to do one load per day, Monday through Friday. Here's our schedule. You can copy our schedule if you like. Monday, we do dark clothes. Tuesday, we do lights. Wednesday, we do sheets. Thursday, towels. And Friday, delicates. Everyone in our house has divided hampers in their bedrooms so they can sort for themselves into lights, darks, and delicates. And then I have a couple baskets in the laundry room for sheets and towels. Every once in a while, we have to do two loads per day if we have too many dark clothes or whatever, but usually it's just one. This one thing has made laundry so much easier and so much more manageable for our family, and we no longer have big piles to fold a few times a month. It's a total game changer. Speaking of family, tip number three is to get your family involved. If you feel like you're the only one bearing the laundry burden, it's time to enlist the other people in your house who are contributing to the laundry chore to help. My kids are now 8 and 11, so I get that it's a little bit different now, but there are things even little littles can do. 
In our house, we have a divided hamper, like I said, in each bedroom, one section for lights, one for darks, and one for delicates. By the way, delicates in our house means anything you don't want to go in the dryer or anything you want a little extra attention paid to. I'm talking about bras, nice blouses, and $40 Taylor Swift concert t-shirts. Those all go in delicates. Each morning, we put an empty basket in the hallway between all the bedrooms, and everyone dumps in there what's getting washed that day. Do my children sort it perfectly? No. Do I care? No. I can pull out the errant red sock from the lights basket, but it saves me a ton of time not going into their room to dig through their hampers and sort it out. My girls also fold the laundry. It's part of their chores that they get paid an allowance for. I bought them a folding board. I'll link to it in the show notes, but I bought them a folding board to help them learn. Um, and they're actually really good at it now. And they don't even use the folding board anymore. It took way too much time, but even my eight-year-old can fold clothes. Here's the thing though. I had to let go of my love of perfectly folded laundry and be okay with their way. Who cares if their shirts are perfectly folded like they would be in a store? I certainly don't, especially if it saves me or my husband the trouble of folding it ourselves. As long as it makes it into the drawers, it's a success. If your kids are really little, have them match socks or fold towels or empty the dryer into a laundry basket. Anything you can do to get them thinking of laundry as a family job and not just your job is a plus. This is a life skill they'll need forever, so you might as well start them early. Tip number four is to sort properly. You know, I, I love my darling, wonderful husband, but when I met him, he was just throwing everything in one, one load of laundry. That was it. We don't do that anymore. By now, you know that I sort clothing by color and I do a separate load for things that shouldn't go in the dryer. There are those out there, though, who say you should sort by fabric instead rather than color and wash all lightweight items like T-shirts together and then all heavy-duty fabrics like denim together. I'll link to an article in the show notes that talks about this method of sorting, and you can decide what's best for you. Whichever you choose, though, there will be an item here or there that you're going to have to deal with separately for some reason. So go with what makes sense for the majority of your laundry and don't worry about getting it perfect. If you're not sure what temperature or what cycle something should go on or where to sort it, read the label. But keep in mind, manufacturers are probably going to err on the side of caution and tell you to dry clean things that probably don't need to be dry cleaned or hand wash things that could probably be washed on delicates. Please do your own research on this and don't just throw your dry clean items in the washing machine and say, Jennifer said it was okay. I am not saying that. I'm just saying that the care label errs on the side of caution. There are a lot of articles out there that you can Google on what should absolutely be dry cleaned and what you can probably care for at home. I'm not going to link to them because I don't want to give you wrong information. Okay, number five, use the right detergent. All detergents are not created equal and in general, you get what you pay for. Tide has consistently been rated one of the best detergents for the money, but I've got a link to other good choices in the show notes too. Also, if you are still using powder detergent, you may want to switch to a liquid. Sometimes powder doesn't dissolve, especially if you're washing things in cold water and it can leave a residue on clothes. But whatever you choose, make sure you're not using too much. This is a big mistake 
that a lot of people make when doing laundry and they use too much detergent. They think that your laundry will get extra clean if you use extra detergent. Not true. And actually the opposite can happen. Too much detergent can keep your clothes from rubbing together and that friction helps to get your clothes clean. And over time, too much detergent can leave a film on your clothes that you may not be able to see or feel, but your clothes won't come out looking as clean or feeling as clean. Never use more than the recommended amount of detergent and experiment with using less too. You might be surprised that your clothes actually look better. Tip number six, this is my favorite one because this is something I'm actually really good at. And tip number six is to become a master stain fighter. Seriously, if you have a tough stain, bring it over to my house. I will take care of it for you. Most people have one stain stick or one stain spray that they use for everything and they just hope for the best. But you're going to have much better results in your stain fighting efforts if you understand the stain and the fabric it's on and then use the right tool to fight it. The biggest stains that people treat incorrectly are protein stains and oil-based stains. Protein stains are animal-based stains. So they include things like blood and other bodily fluids, including sweat. They include things like dairy products, like ice cream and milk even breast milk that gets spit back up on you. They also include outdoor stains like grass and mud. Protein stains come out best with an enzyme-based stain remover or detergent and cold water. Hot water can actually set protein-based stains into your clothes, which is one reason white t-shirts that get washed in warm or hot can get armpit stains so easily. You're actually setting that stain in instead of getting it out when you wash it on warmer water. One thing you want to be careful of, though, is not to use an enzyme-based cleaner with protein-based fibers. Those are animal fibers like silk and wool. The enzyme will destroy the protein-based fiber just like it does the protein-based stain. So make sure that you are using the right cleaner for the right fabric with that one. The other type of stains a lot of people struggle with is oil-based stains. These are things like butter or olive oil, a lot of makeups, lotions, salad dressing, I know that you have had a leaf of vinaigrette soaked spinach drop on the front of your blouse. I cannot be the only one that this has happened to more than once. Unlike protein-based stains, oil-based stains need hot water to help dissolve the grease. And the best stain fighter for oil-based stain is good old-fashioned dish soap. You know the one that says, gets grease out of your way or cuts grease? That's the thing we're talking about that you wash your dishes with. What you do is you rinse the stain with hot water, as hot as the fabric can handle. Scrub in a little degreasing dish soap using a, a, just a gentle little brush and then wash the item. Sometimes though, you notice a grease stain that you missed when it comes out of the dryer and there's that big just like circle stain right on the front. And if that happens, all is not lost. You can sprinkle cornstarch or baby powder or even baking soda on a dry grease stain. Just cover it completely, work it in a little bit, and leave it for a day or so. Hopefully that will soak up a lot of the oil. Then just start over with the hot water and dish soap. I have had really, really good luck getting out almost every grease stain with that little trick. There are so many different stains and each one needs to be treated a little bit differently. But what I want you to take away from this is that while stain sprays and stain sticks have come a long way, there isn't a one product fixes everything solution. 
I'm going to link to a set of stain removers in the show notes that has nine different products for different type of stains from nail polish and glue to wine and chocolate. And if you are stain prone, if you're somebody who gets something on everything they wear, this would be absolutely worth looking into. Moving on to tip number seven. In most cases, heat is the enemy. We've talked on this show about dryers breaking down fabrics with stretch like elastane, spandex, but as a general rule, you want to use as little heat as possible in both your wash and dry cycles. I understand that there are some things you want to wash in hot water to sanitize, but whenever possible, you should wash in cold or warm and dry on low heat. Hot water can fade your colors and heat in both the washer and dryer can shrink your clothes. If you want to baby your things, wash and dry with as little heat as you can. That will really extend the lifespan of your clothes. Tip number eight is to put together a laundry toolkit. We talked already about a couple of the stain solutions you should have on hand, but there are other tools and products you should have as well. You should have a bunch of mesh laundry bags on hand to put delicates in or socks so they don't get lost and mismatched. And I even use them to remind myself not to put something in the dryer. It's really easy to forget that you wanted to air dry a top when you're changing your laundry over. But if it's in a bag, it's easier to remember to pull it out. You should have a laundry brush in your toolkit too for working on stains. By the way, I will link to all of these things in the show notes. Another important thing in your laundry toolkit is extra dryer balls. If you don't know what dryer balls are, they're either wool or silicone balls that you tossed in the dryer with the load of wet laundry. They help lift up the laundry while it's drying, cutting down on drying time and the amount of heat your clothes are exposed to. Also, they cut down on the static electricity in your laundry. I say you should have extras in your toolkit because invariably they will get pulled out with the laundry and they end up all over and they're not in the dryer when you need them to be. Just have extras and then put the lost ones back in your toolkit when you find them. I have three sets, so I always have them when I need them. If you have a front load washer, I recommend having a washing machine cleaner in your toolkit too, whether you make your own or use a pre-made version. You know those front load washers can get kind of stinky and you need a product that will clean them out. Finally, in your toolkit, you should have any laundry additives you need, like baking soda, OxyClean, bleach, vinegar, any other products you need to soften hard water or kill bacteria or extra stain fighting, whatever it is you need. And yes, I know that you probably have baking soda and vinegar in your kitchen, but when you have it right where you need it, when you need it, you'll be more likely to use it and your laundry will look better. Those products are inexpensive, so pick up extra at the store next time just to keep with your laundry and have it for when you need it. By the way, I did not forget to put dryer sheets in this toolkit. Traditional dryer sheets are terrible for your clothes. They leave a residue on them that keeps them from getting clean. That's what a fabric softener is. It makes it feel softer to the touch, but it's leaving a residue on your clothes that builds up over time. Use the dryer balls instead, which have the same effect, but they don't leave anything on your clothes. And if you want a scent, if you want your laundry to smell pretty, just throw a few drops of essential oils onto the wool ones and you can toss them right in. Okay, tip number nine is to organize your space. One of my favorite things about my current house is that I have an actual 
laundry room with cabinets and a folding table, which let's be honest, never gets used for folding. And it just is a catch all for all the stuff, but I have it if I need it. And I have a long bar for hanging things to dry. So I have plenty of space to have everything I need organized well. However, my last house where we were for 12 years had a laundry closet in the upstairs hall between the bedrooms with just one little shelf for storage. But you know what? I had to be more intentional about how I use my space and I had to get some bins and hooks to stay organized, but you can absolutely do this regardless of how much space you have. One thing most people need to invest in, no matter how much space you have in your laundry area, is a drying rack. I'll link to a couple in the show notes, but very few people have enough space to lay out four sweaters at one time. So don't say, I have to throw everything in the dryer because I don't have space for a drying rack or to hang them. Very few people actually do have that space all the time. You have to make the space and it can't be something that's out all the time. Finally, if you can, find a way to make your laundry space visually pleasing. I find that things are more pleasant and they suck less when the space looks nice. And if you don't think you believe that too, ask yourself if you've ever swooned over a picture of a laundry room on Pinterest. In your heart, you thought, I'd love a space like that. I might actually enjoy doing laundry if I had a space like that. Maybe you can't have all those custom built-ins, but you can put a cheerful rug in the laundry room or change out the light fixture or hang a funny laundry sign somewhere. There are so many things you can do to make your space more organized, user-friendly, and aesthetically pleasing. And when you have all the right tools for the job and when you have everything organized, the job is easier. Tip number 10 and my last one is this. Don't stop caring for your clothes once the laundry cycle is done. This is an area where most of us have dropped the ball. Do you remember the days of doing things like polishing shoes, making small repairs, ironing, or shaving sweaters? Somewhere in the last couple of decades, we've started treating our clothes as though they're disposable. Now, it could be because we're buying fast fashion and things aren't as high quality, but you can help your things last longer and look better by caring for them well. Even if they're fast fashion, even if they're not the highest quality, taking care of them will help them last. Tops don't have to be tossed when they get little pills on them. You just need a good tool for that. And I'll link to my favorite in the show notes. You don't have to pull out the shoe polish canister and polish your work shoes like my dad did every Sunday night when I was growing up, but you should have a shoe cleaning kit and polishing kit you can use when your shoes are looking a little bit run down and you should have one for suede too. And I'm guessing that you don't spend an afternoon ironing like my mom did in those back in the day either. But so many women that I've met don't wear things they own and like because they'd have to iron it. I haven't ironed anything in years. I can't imagine ironing anything. Instead, I steam everything, which takes about 30 seconds. I don't have to get out of board. I just keep my little inexpensive steamer. It's not a high-tech, fancy, expensive one. I keep it in the linen closet in our master bathroom. That way, if something I want to wear needs a little touch-up, it's easy and convenient to do. So just like your laundry toolkit, you should make yourself a clothing care toolkit too. It should have a knit shaver, a lint brush, a small sewing kit, and shoe care products in it, and get yourself a little steamer, put it where you get dressed and where you have an easy access to water to fill it up. 
this will make taking care of your clothes on a daily basis so much easier and it will help make your clothes look better for longer. And like I said, once you've invested in a wardrobe you love, you're going to want to keep it nice for a long time. Your homework this week is to organize your laundry and clothing care space and supplies. Make a list of what you need in your laundry toolkit or your clothing care toolkit and order it if you need to or if you can. Post a picture of your laundry space in the Everyday Style Lounge. I would love to see your pretty organized laundry area. Before we say goodbye, I just want to take a moment to thank all of the people who are still working and who are working hard to keep us safe and fed and clothed, both the people we see at the grocery store or doctor's offices and the people we don't see in the warehouses or driving trucks. And if you or your loved one is one of those people who's heading out the door each day for work, just I want you to know that I appreciate you, I pray for you, and I hope that you are staying safe and healthy. All right, that is it, everybody. I will see you Monday with Office Hours. Class is dismissed for today, but the conversation doesn't have to end here. Head over to youreverydaystyle.com for show notes, freebies, and a link to join my free Facebook community, The Everyday Style Lounge. And if The Everyday Style School podcast is helping you love getting dressed again, it would make my day if you would subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, and share it with your friends so women everywhere can have more fun with style. Thanks, Style Sister. I'll see you next time. And until then, stay stylish.